We're joined on Sports Talk now by NZ Herald scribe Liam Napier as we look at the new, would you call them experimental or, or law trials that are starting globally in all competitions? Liam, welcome to the show. Yeah, cheers, Dust. Uh, look, I think you'd call them experimental, but I've deemed them a trial. Some of them have been trialled already in various competitions around the world, but you know they're not set in stone, so it is uh, experimental for for the next year or so, and then they're going to decide whether to keep any of the five or or a couple of the five. So, yeah, I guess we'll see how they pan out. We've seen a couple of them already: the goal line dropout and and Super Rugby Aotearoa and Trans Tasman, but um, the other four uh, New Zealand rugby players haven't experienced as yet. So. Um, they're going to be thrust upon them pretty shortly. The, the dropout law, do you think that went with great success? The players, the coaches, the fans, they enjoy that? You see that as being one that might possibly stick? Uh, I don't know if there was a huge deal of support for it, to be honest. Uh, I remember John Plum, uh, not John Plumtree, um, Tom Coventry, the Blues uh, Ford's coach this year, uh, coming out and saying that, that he wasn't a fan of that uh, or any of the other trials, basically, just to stop tinkering with it. And, uh, you know, I can see his point of view and and the players' perspective as well. Some of the, I remember Scott Barrett uh, among the players that, that weren't a fan of it because, you know, you, you're um, you're not rewarding the attacking team by being held up over the line and then having a dropout. You know, ordinarily you'd have a five-metre scrum and, and then you can... It's a, a great set-piece platform to launch from, isn't it? And, and now you've got to, you know, uh, traipse back 40 metres and recover the drop kick and, and sort of attack from there. So... They argue it's, uh, it encourages more attacking rugby, but you know if you're the attacking team, you'd certainly prefer to be five metres out than 40. Well, attacking rugby if you're a back, not the attacking rugby up front, which is what a lot of these forwards love to do. That's why they do that, right? That's right, and, and the scrums are a massive part of the game. I get the fact that you know repeat, reset scrums are, are a blight on the game, but you know uh, scrums are very important, and you know uh, to take that element away or, or sort of decrease it. You know, certainly from a purist perspective, um, you're taken away from the essence of the game itself. And you know, a couple of these laws, when you look at the 50-22 kick and the goal line dropper, you know, you, you wonder how how deeply they thought about it and how much they've just looked across the league and, and plucked a couple of the laws from there and, and tried to adapt them to rugby. So, yeah, I don't recall or, or think there was a, a great deal of support for the goal line dropout. The 50-22 kick was trialled in Australia. And uh, I know, you know, there was a bit of um, tension around the All Blacks about the fact that they're going to have to come to grips with that. Um, having not used it, and and it's going to be in place for the uh, first Bledisloe Cup test on August seven, and and Australians have had a bit of experience with it, so I guess that's a bit of an advantage for for Dave Rennie's team. What about the big one that they didn't run with? And I think this is a bone of contention for a lot of people: that um, ability to replace a red carded player after twenty minutes. Why do you think they didn't go with that? Do you think there's still a relevant argument? considering the new rulings around the ability to send players off, that that should be the case for the for the benefit of all, Liam? Yeah, look, personally, I really like this law. I think it really retains the integrity of the game. You know, you, you can argue either way whether red cards were a matches or not, but the reality is um, you cannot argue that a team having a one-man advantage is, is, is not such a massive leg up. So, you know, generally speaking, uh, teams of red cards don't win matches, and so... You know, you're still punishing the team by uh, losing a player for 20 minutes, but the ability to bring someone back if that happens in the first half, if it happens in the first 20 minutes, you know, if you relate that, extrapolate that further to paying fans and punters, you know, um, you know, going to test matches and the like is, is not cheap. So, 
you're really retaining the integrity of the contest by allowing that player to be replaced. And, you know, the offending player can be suspended at a later date, but, you know, you're not punishing the, the entire team and, and potentially ruining the spectacle because of it. So the, the reason I think they didn't adopt that is because it potentially doesn't fit this whole player welfare pitch around making the game safer. And they might argue that, you know, you're... Uh, you're decreasing the punishment potentially of, of a red card by allowing teams to replace them. But uh, personally, I would I would put the the integrity of the contest above pretty much most of these law trials. To be honest, surely it's safer though to have 15 on 15 in the long run, is it not? So after 20 minutes, if you've got it slow skewed one way, isn't that more dangerous for the opposition players, Liam? Yeah, that's a very valid argument as well. You know, when you get uh, the more fatigue you bring into the game, uh, you know, the, if you're a one-man short, you're covering greater distances. Um, yeah, and fatiguing quicker as well. So uh, that's when mistakes happen, whether it's a drop ball or a kick out on the full or you get your tackle height wrong or you're flinging out an arm because you can't quite get there. So, yeah, I think you're right that uh, you, you increase the risk of, of those incidents happening um, by by not being open to it. I think the other the other side of this is when it comes to decision-making, I certainly know that the Southern Hemisphere, and I think Dave Rennie and, and Ian Foster both alluded to this, is that it's very Northern biased, that decisions are made uh, based around what the Northern powers want, and that red card trial hasn't happened up there and they don't seem too interested in it. So, you know, I think that's another major reason why uh, we haven't seen it adopted.